audio. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Doc Talk with Monument Health. My name is Mark Houston, and joining me today is Dr. Stephen Wasmiller, and uh, I'm excited uh, to have you in today because uh, you're another North Dakotan that gets yes. to be on the podcast with me. Yes, one <laughs> of the bra- few. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why we. Well, there's always been the there's always been the rivalry between the Dakotas, oh, yes. right? Yes. When you live up in North Dakota, you hate South Dakota and vice versa. But yeah, uh, they teach it in the schools. <laughs> they do <laughs> honestly. Um, uh, so you're originally. Uh, let's just get some background on you, Doctor. Yeah. Like I said, you're originally from North Dakota. Yep. So what what led what what started this whole journey for you? To be a, a non-invasive cardiologist. Oh mercy! Okay, yeah. let's just so, dig in. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so my father's a doctor as well. Okay. He's a he's a practicing general surgeon, in uh, in in North Dakota still. And uh, so that was I was very I was exposed to medicine from a young basically my whole life, uh, multiple family members and so forth. So it was it was kind of. Uh, uh, it was kind of on my mind about career choices, things that I could do with my life. And right. that, um, you know, I went through, you know, my, you know, high school undergrad and I decided to do pre-med and applied. And, and then I attended, uh, uh Loma Linda University School of Medicine in Loma Linda, California. That's where I did my, uh, uh, medical school, my MD, my medical school training and then fellowship or my residency in internal medicine was there as well. And then I did my um, cardiovascular disease fellowship at Penn State Hershey okay. uh, in Pennsylvania. You went across the entire country to get this stuff I done. I did. Wow. I did. You know, it's what's, uh, I mean, what's a journey? What's what's that like? Why why do you have to, to, to spam the country in order to? Well, you know, the, it's... Um, you know, a cardiovascular disease is uh, well. First of all, I uh, I I wanted to go somewhere different. So so just for me personally, I wanted to go somewhere where I would have a different perspective on the field of medicine, as opposed to just being siloed into one institution. So that kind of explains why I, you know, traversed the mm-hmm. nation to go to a different location and and pursue medical and uh, cardiovascular training because you know i you know the cardiology program at loma linda is great and you know the yeah. the, the people there are wonderful um but i um uh, i wanted to know how 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 things worked at another place and so sure. that's that's why I ended up out there. Well, what is the difference between, because I, it says, you know, on your bio at Monument Health that you're mm-hmm. non-invasive. So yeah. can you explain that a little bit? Yeah. So uh, they don't let us use knives or needles. <laughs> no, <laughs> but so, would you if you could? <laughs> oh, absolutely not. There's a reason why I'm non-invasive. No, seriously. So a, a non-invasive cardiologist is a, you know, what's commonly referred to as a general cardiologist. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a, uh, an individual who has specialty training in cardiovascular disease. Uh, and often are trained in other diagnostic testing, such as interpretation of uh, stress testing, uh, EKGs, Holters, echocardiograms, uh, and then uh, diagnose and treat patients with uh, you know interventions, either medical or non-medical, uh, in clinic. Uh, I am 
what you call an, a non-cath uh, interventional okay. cardio or uh, non-invasive cardiologist. So I don't do cath procedures. That's a question I often get. Sure. Uh, but I do do other, uh, you know, technically invasive tests with a transesophageal echocardiogram, uh, where you do an ultrasound mm-hmm. through the uh, down the throat and and so forth. So so there's uh, different flavors of it, but generally speaking, that's what I do. Okay. Uh, well, we're, we have you in here today, doctor, because February is going to be National Heart Month. So we wanted to bring you in to talk a little bit about kind of kind of generally just a, a heart healthy lifestyles, right? Yeah. Um, and I think it has to begin for a lot of people, because if somebody is going to hear this podcast and they're going to think, all right, I'm, I'm going to make the decision to do better for my heart, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the mindset and, and emotional health has mm. to be a big influence on this, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, to, to, to get into that healthy heart, just to get ready to go. Yeah, yeah. So um, I'll caveat this by saying, first of all, I, you know, you, you, you think of heart healthy as, oh, there's one thing I need to do. I need to eat better. I need to exercise more. I need to lower my cholesterol. Well, we've kind of found out over the past, you know, several decades of research that have been done in the area about how so many other aspects of our lives play into cardiovascular health. And it's becoming, you know, uh, much more commonplace to see folks emphasize things like stress reduction or stress mitigation, uh, healthy sleep, um, uh, social networks, being socially engaged in your community and whatnot. And and it goes so much more beyond just diet and exercise. You know, I think we kind of have this reductionist approach to cardiovascular disease uh, where you may have an indi- individual that comes in and says, I'm so mad, my cholesterol is high. Okay, that's one piece of a much broader puzzle. And it's it goes so much more into just getting your cholesterol down or just eating mm-hmm. right. Those things are good things, but unless you're tackling the whole breadth of your lifestyle, then you're otherwise you're going to be running into a lot of trouble. If you, if you because you're going to be forgetting a lot of things that are are critically important that you may not come to mind. Right. You know, I'm just as as you were saying that I'm thinking that we we all know you all learn that your heart is a muscle, yep. you know, like like the rest of the muscles in your body. Yes, that happens to pump the blood throughout the whole thing. Why, you know, when you get stressed out or you worry or you have anxiety or you have kind of mental issues that can that can correlate to having a, a, a bad heart, why, why is your heart so specifically affected? The rest of the muscles in your body aren't <laughs> right. I, I, and maybe I don't know yeah. if this is a question you can answer, but. Well, you know, I, so I tell people every organ in your body that has a blood vessel is affected by cardiovascular disease by definition. Okay. So, uh, you know, everything in your kidneys, your spleen, your stomach, your lungs, your brain, uh, all these organ systems have, you know, blood mm-hmm. vessels. They're affected by blood pressure. And blood pressure itself is one variable that's affected by a number of different, different things, different variables in your life, not the least of which are, you know, stress, lack of exercise, and, and so forth. Um, so I, I don't know if that's a 
great way of answering that. But as far as the heart being a muscle, yes, it is a muscle, uh, but it's a fairly complicated one. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so, right. um, yeah, I, I, I guess, um, yeah, I, I don't know if that answered your question. Right. But No, I, I, again, this was one of those, it was just kind of a little off uh, the, the topics that I had here. But as I was thinking about it, um, you know, because like you've said, we've learned so much about what stress and anxiety and, and mental, mm-hmm. you know, uh, how your mental state is can affect your heart. Yeah. Um, so if, if, if people have conquered that now and they're ready to jump in and do something right for their heart, um, are there specific, like you kind of mentioned a few, but top mm-hmm. lifestyle changes that, that and yeah, let's talk about yeah. anybody, age, fitness level, whatever. Sure. What are some of those things that you can start to implement? Okay. Yes. That's a good question. So, uh, First of all, you know, the these I also caveat this by saying, but like I personally do not adhere to every single thing I'm suggesting. So so just a little you know, humility on my part is, you know, just because we're in cardiovascular disease doesn't mean we're eating celery sticks well, of every course. day. But um, there, no, you're, you know, that's a good question because there are a lot of uh, questions we get as what do I need to do? Okay. Um, and you know, the obvious ones, you, you talk of heart healthy diet and you talk of exercise and, and there's a reason those are commonly touted, um, ways to improve your cardiovascular health because it's been proven. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, one of the recommendations, you know, so, you know, the, the American Heart Association recommends, you know, at least 30 minutes of, of exercise, moderate activity, uh, five days a week. So that's things like, you know, brisk walking, water aerobics, gardening, dancing, um, and then, or 25 minutes, uh, three days a week of vigorous activity. So like uphill hiking, uh, rapid cycling, that sort of thing. So now exercise, so I'll, I'll, I'll take, I'll kind of take this down in pieces because there's several different, uh, pillars, so to speak, mm-hmm. not my term, uh, <laughs> pillars of, of lifestyle medicine, um, exercise being one. So exercise does not mean you have to go to the gym. Okay. Right. Uh, you know, going to the gym is great. If that's a place that you find you get motivated to do physical activity, that's wonderful. There's a lot of my folk, my patients that, that love swimming. They love uh, doing CrossFit. They love doing a lot of different types of exercise. But exercise is not just limited to a gym. Exercise could include just taking stairs instead of elevator, for instance. Um, Or for some people, maybe it just means, you know, maybe I walk to the mailbox today to someone who can walk to the Mm -hmm. end of the hall. You know, so I can get to the end of the hall uh, this week. I'll get to the mailbox by next week. I'll get to maybe the the end of the block by the following week. Just because, you know, you you uh, are told to exercise, um, sometimes we need to reconceptualize what exercise truly is because we always envision all oh, these muscled yep. individuals in a gymnasium pumping iron and running and all that sort of thing. But you need to start where you're at, okay? And I, I tell people, it's like, because people ask me, oh, what's the best exercise regimen? What, what uh, so do I do, you know, do I do jujitsu? Do I do <laughs> this? And it's like, 
the best exercise regimen you can do is the one you actually do. Right. Because, yeah, it's great to have, you know, videos of P90X or whatever you choose <laughs> to do in your uh, computer or whatever. But you it, it start where you're at. Yeah. And show yourself some grace, too, because, you know, we are all our own worst critic. Mm -hmm. So if we're constantly beating ourselves up about how much we're not doing, I mean we're not going to be necessarily motivated or wanting to have that positive change. Right. So that's a little piece on, on exercise. Now diet. Uh, now there's a whole, I mean, that's a whole podcast. Oh, it is. So, uh, <laughs> you know, what, and what, yeah. I, what I was kind of going to ask you about it was more of the, um, you know, because everybody knows you got to eat right, right? I mean, mm -hmm. you do. You you, you know yeah. that there are certain things that are good for you. Mm -hmm. You know, but even like you said with exercise, you you, you just kind of start where you're at. It, mix in some vegetables, mix in yeah. some fruits, some yeah. things like that. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. like, do you have misconceptions about it instead of of yes what people maybe believe that you would like to? So there are some misconceptions, um, uh, you know, and and and, uh, and in truth. Not all misconceptions are totally off base. I mean, there is, uh, you know, for instance, about, well, well, one of the common uh, misconceptions is that eating healthy is expensive. Mm -hmm. um, that's not necessarily true. I mean, uh, there's, you can certainly go gangbusters with any type of diet, right. healthy or otherwise, uh, but it does not necessarily need to break the bank. And, and I, I am certainly sensitive to the fact that a lot of people nowadays, money is not readily available. Mm -hmm. People don't have a lot of cash on hand to just, you know, say nothing of like buying a gym membership or doing what have you. Uh, but especially, I mean, everyone eats, okay? Um, but it doesn't have to be expensive. Frozen vegetables are not expensive. Um, you know, uh, there's, this is actually a, a place where, um, uh, you can buy a lot of homegrown foods or you can, you mm -hmm. can find homegrown foods, uh, at, you know, farmer's markets or, um, you know, there's a lot of ways that you can get around with, you don't have to just eat, uh, expensive, fresh, organic berries or whatever it is from right. wherever. Um, so that's a common misconception. Um, and then one is not so much a misconception, but it maybe just be mid misguided focuses, uh, eating what's called white meat. So now things like fish, chicken, those types of things over red meat. Mm -hmm. Um, now I will say it is technically better than red meat. So, you know, consuming red meat is, has been shown to be more harmful and, uh, can increase your chances of sure. having, uh, um, you know, atherosclerotic disease and, and colon cancer in men and that type of thing. But it's it's kind of a continuum. So, you know, uh, white meat is better than red meat, but, you know, uh, veg vegetables are going to be much be better than white meat. Yeah. Um, that's an example. Um, and then there's... Uh, kind of along the same lines with the, the exercise discussion is because people ask me, what type of diet do I eat? What type of diet should I um, embody? And my answer is 
the diet you, you use, the <laughs> diet you stick to. And, um, and a common diet that, we, uh, um, that is uh, heavily based and founded in eating whole foods and other foods that aren't in plastic packaging. Yeah. So things like uh, you know, fresh vegetables and, and that sort of thing is the Mediterranean diet. Um, there's a lot online about the Mediterranean diet and, uh, and what it means to uh, – uh, and what it's based on. Uh, leafy green vegetables, uh, nuts, legumes, um, uh, and those types of things. Uh, lean fish, uh, those types of meats yeah. as well. So, <clears throat> so there's, a lo- there's a lot out there. But, again, it's the diet that you consistently adhere to. Um, that's, that's going to be important. Sure. Okay. Uh, did you have, well, did you want to go through the rest of those pillars on there really quick? Doctor? Oh yeah. So, I mean, there's, so, uh, for those of you who don't actually know, there's actually, uh, a, the American college of lifestyle medicine is, uh, something that, um, puts out a lot of, uh, recommendations about healthy lifestyle a, a, as it, as it pertains to medicine. So some of the other, and they have, they have six main pillars they talk about. So diet, exercise, tobacco and alcohol of reduction. Course. <laughs> of course. Yeah. You knew that was good. Oh, smoking yeah. for sure. That's become yep. that's kind of become a running theme through here is, yeah. is oh. whenever I have a doctor in and they'll say, Now here are the things you should avoid, I can say, Can I just mm-hmm. guess the first one? Yeah. It's always smoking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so those so those are the three. Okay. And then uh, stress management, sleep, and then healthy relationships. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we already kind of talked about diet and exercise. Yeah. So tobacco and alcohol reduction, um, uh, I mean, it's 2024. It's kind of a no-brainer. I mean, a lot of my visits, I, I actually don't really even address tobacco, surprisingly, because it's like, good morning, sir. The sky's blue today. <laughs> right. You know, and so, and, I, and I'm understanding of the fact that how very, very difficult it is for people okay, to stop is. smoking. And there are resources available, and we are ecstatic when people are able to get off of cigarettes. But, you know, telling people that it is bad for you is, you know, yes, we know that. And I think that's a vestige of the way, you know, a very prescriptive form of medicine was practiced in years ago mm-hmm. of, I tell you to do this, as opposed to, how can I partner with you yeah. to accomplish your, not just this thing, but how do I accomplish you to have a healthier life? And in doing so, perhaps you may quit smoking type of thing. Right. Um, well, we've always heard so. on the alcohol side of thing, though, mm-hmm. that there are certain alcohols that are good for your heart. Yeah. But I think we've learned over time now that how much of that is actually true. So... Um, there, there is some evidence that does talk about, uh, you know, alcohol, and they specifically say, uh, and and there are some studies that have said that drinking things such as red mm-hmm. wine, right? Um, I would say that uh, it's probably better than drinking uh, other types of alcohol, but the best type of alcohol consumption would be no alcohol consumption, and it's 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 a it's. Uh, it's a balance, right? You know, the red wine is always touted yeah, as, hey, yep. that could be a heart-healthy thing. And I mm-hmm. suppose that's better than a Coke Yeah, in, in moderation. You know, and define what's better. Sure. You know, and that's a good question because uh, better to you may not mean the same thing as better to me. Right. Um, 
there's, uh, you know, uh, with anything you consume, there's there's going to be uh, sugars, there's mm-hmm. going to be calories, there's going to be that metabolic uh, effect that the substance or food or drink or whatever it is that you have that takes it uh, that you take in. Right. Um, you know, the this. It's it's the safest amount of consumption of alcohol is obviously zero, yeah. but this is the I mean this is the real world and and I'm sensitive to sure that. of course I definitely understand that um, there are some um, uh, there are some ways that um, people can you know regularly partake without going overboard yeah. or causing a drastically significant amount of uh, effect on their on their diet right. you know the recommendation is no more than two drinks per day per men and no more than one drink per day for women right um that's a generalization each individual may have a different yep. need or a different uh medic um uh risk of mm-hmm. alcohol use so before you uh would say Oh, you know, I can drink two drinks a day. You know, I heard on the podcast that you could drink two drinks a day. <laughs> yeah. That's so not always what he <laughs> Always discuss this with your doctor yes. before you uh, would modify your, your right. habit like that. Now, you went on to sleep was the next one on there, which, sleep, which yes. seems to be becoming a bigger and bigger deal as well. It is a big deal. Um, and because sleep impacts a lot of... Uh, body process that we don't understand, or that, that we that we don't think of, that we don't right. think of, we're, we're understanding more and more. Um, you know, one of the biggest things that we uh, see in cardiovascular disease specifically is the uh, incidence of of sleep apnea in folks that have atrial fibrillation. Mm-hmm. So, you know, one of the greatest risk factors is uncontrolled sleep apnea, high blood pressure, and that sort of thing. Because sleep apnea and, and poor sleep habits in general leads to a lot of dysregulation in body processes that can predispose you to having other health yeah. problems. Um, you know, the recommendation, you know, based on a lot of the studies that I've read is uh, around between seven to eight hours a night. You know, some people say, I can, no, oh, I can get by with, you know, four a night or five a night. Um, the, the people that genuinely can do that with no physiologic consequence is very small. <laughs> uh, there's actually some detri- health detriment if you get less than six or health detriment if you get more than nine. That's so what's crazy. Yeah, so to go too far. There is a bit of a balance with that. Um, and and obviously it's important for maintaining your memory mm-hmm. and and, and those, those processes as well. Um, so yeah, so those, um, stress management. So if you don't mind, I might just touch on this a little Absolutely. bit too. So, so stress, um, actually is, you know, another not commonly thought of, uh, uh, thing, especially in 2024 United States. Uh, life in the modern era is it's very just stressful. Very hard. <laughs> it it's, it's genuinely yes. hard on people, and you know there is a significant. Uh, there is evidence to say that there has been significant uh, associations of stress in cardiovascular disease. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think of a condition we often see. Well, in the hospital, usually 
after a understandably stressful event like the death of a loved one or sudden shock and surprise of what's called stress-induced cardiomyopathy or Takotsubo cardiomyopathy where the heart literally is stunned because of uh, stress and that catecholamine surge. Um, and that's and that's just one example. Obviously, you know, uh, with stress, you have release of the stress hormone cortisol. Elevated cortisol in your blood is is for chronically is is not a good thing. In the immediate term, it's actually really good. I sure. mean, it helps you avoid car accidents. It helps you get out of scary situations. So, you know, the stress response in the body is very important, but. When you're subjected to chronic stress on a daily basis, it leads to a lot of other downstream effects that we aren't often aware of. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, and and again, you could also go into a whole discussion about um, stress as it pertains to things such as uh, financial security, uh, personal security, or food security. Mm-hmm. We don't often think about that. Right. Um, you know, there's a lot of Americans, a lot of South Dakotans that don't have access to healthy food. They don't have access to much food at all. And a lot of that is, uh, I mean, you could, you could really (laughs) open up a can of worms and and trying to parse out why that is, but, uh, but it's a stress response. You know, if, uh, you know, you are probably going to have dinner tonight. You probably know where it's going to come from, mm-hmm. and you know you're going to have breakfast tomorrow. Right. Um, not everybody has that. Not everybody has that assurance. Some people are physically and literally stressed about where their next meal is going to come from, whether or not they're going to have a job the, when they come into work the next day. And those are the types of stressors that you see in, in a lot of uh, – uh, uh, disparate income communities where you see uh, a lot of the, and you've, I don't know if you've heard of the term food deserts as yes, well. Yes, absolutely. Um, where you, uh, a food desert is basically an, a community that is actually in a civil, in, in, a, in, a, in a city or a town where you just don't have access to healthy food. Mm-hmm. Um, and and those types, of, uh, those types of stressors are real to people. And, and, they, and they adversely affect people in, in many, many ways. Um, and, but I won't go too far off track <laughs> on that. But, but I just wanted to, like, point that out, that stress management is very important, right. especially when it comes to other stress areas in our life that are personal to us, like our work or our families. Uh, those are, those are off, often tremendous sources of stress sure. for a lot of people. Now, the last one, I think the last pillar you can talk about here then could mm-hmm. kind of go hand in hand with that stress part and helping to manage mm-hmm. it a little bit. Yeah. And that would be the social connections that are Absolutely. a big part of this, right? Absolutely. So maybe those two go a little bit hand in hand and you could kind of talk about why those are important. Yes, yes. So healthy relationships. That's, uh, so actually I kind of want to I don't know if you can plug Netflix documentaries on here. <laughs> sure. But there is a documentary that I would recommend all of you watch if you have a couple evenings. It's called Live to 100 uh, by Dan Buettner. It's okay. on Netflix. And it's a he goes around the world and he talks of what's called Blue Zones. Uh, have you heard of? No. The, so Blue Zones is uh, it's a term that was coined a couple decades ago about – uh, pockets of uh, uh, populations around the world where people live abnormally long. 
Oh, okay. Uh, they live an abnormally long period of time. And um, and he he uh, Dan Butner did this series about these these blue zones, and he was examining. He's like, what makes these people different? Like, why are these people living to ninety commonly? Right. And you see, uh, you know, several people living to up to a hundred years, and you don't uh, you don't uh, commonly see that, obviously. Which uh, you know, by the way, I don't know if you knew this, but the life expectancy in the United States is actually declining. So. So that's fun. Um, but <clears throat> seriously, no, this this is actually a very – so he, he looks at a lot of these blue zones and a lot of the common themes that he sees between them all, and one of which was healthy relationships. And that is um, – and that can take many forms, um, and that can be the form of, of a, a social group or – uh, a close-knit community, you know, communities that are more, um, uh, uh, more, more, I guess you would say, interconnected, mm-hmm. uh, more kind of accepting and, and wanting to socialize and interact. Um, and he also looks at religious groups, uh, you, know, you know, individuals that can uh, come together yeah. as, uh, as, uh, as a common faith tradition and find solidarity in that and find community in that and they found uh, oh, oh and by the way Loma Linda is a blue zone I don't know if you knew that <laughs> no um, wow. so but in, anyway it's it, and it's very important to kind of understand that we were we were engineered to be social mm-hmm. social creatures we're, right. we're we're designed that way we're we're we are supposed to spend time with one another we're supposed to have fun we're supposed mm-hmm. to you know, get out and enjoy, you know, the sunshine and whatnot. And so uh, it's it's tough to to suggest that to uh, an American living in 2024, yeah. living, you know, paycheck to paycheck. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, at the same time, it's really important to realize that in our pursuit of, you know, like, success or in our pursuit of uh, being stable, productive citizens of this country, uh, that we don't forget the common bonds of humanity that we have with one another. Um, and, and it's often lost, and I think in the information age, you've lost a lot of that. Um, Again, this could be another podcast, but um, <laughs> well, you can take almost any of these pillars no, and really drill down. You could, you really could, as and, to why they're important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you really could, and so. Well, to kind of to kind of wrap this up, then, Doctor, um, what um, what do you recommend uh, that people should be doing regularly? Checkups, tests, these sort of things. You know, we know we got to eat right, exercise, be social. But at the same time, we also got to go to the doctor. All right. You should every year. I'm a big proponent. Find a family doctor and see him all the time. Right. Or her. Um, but what do you recommend that they that, that people should do just to keep your heart where it needs to be? So in addition to these these concepts we've talked about today, you know, following up with your doctor is a normal is, is, a, is an important piece. Mm-hmm. Uh, to health because that is a, a trained professional in the medical arts who is attentive and understanding of the way the body works um, and and 
going to that individual and saying it's like you know getting your cholesterol screening, getting your blood pressure screening. Um, don't start smoking tobacco. If you have, then quit smoking. Um, you know, there's a lot of prescriptive things that, you know, we've kind of covered. Um, exercise, yeah. you know, being active, you know, staying engaged. Um, but I, you know, it's kind of like the first step to solving any problem is acknowledging the fact that a problem does exist. And right. there's a there's a quote that I wrote down that it's from written in the Chicago Tribune in 1975. It said, the idea of preventive medicine is faintly un-American. It means first recognizing that the enemy is us. We are responsible for our health. And it's, and it's so, so important to understand that a pill's not going to fix that. A pill is actually the end game. Mm-hmm. Pill is the pill is the last resort. You you have a whole lifetime of of opportunities to to try to uh, create a, a healthy body, try to living trying to live a healthy life, and it's not a pill is going to fix it at some point. The pill pill is what we I, I hate prescribing pills. Mm-hmm. I don't like to do it because it's kind of an admission that. We didn't, we didn't do it, right. and so now we have to, we have to settle for a medication. Uh, now, don't get me wrong; they can be life-saving exactly. interventions. And if a medication is prescribed by your uh, provider, that is something that mm-hmm. we would recommend you do. But, but it's so important to just recognize that, you know, uh, there's there there's a lot that we can change about ourselves and. Oftentimes, it's going to be a hard process, but knowing that it is a process, mm-hmm. it takes time. Rome yeah. wasn't built in a day. Right. <laughs> Show yourself some grace. It's yeah. okay. And, it's, um, and it doesn't, it, you know, to, to, it doesn't have to be that hard. It, 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 it is, like you say, just a few steps, extra steps. Park yeah. a little further away from mm-hmm. the building than you normally would, right? Yeah, yeah. Take the stairs to come up, like you said. Yeah. Um, as much as you don't want to choke down five pieces of broccoli, just do it. It's not that hard. Yeah. And then you can still go for the good stuff afterwards anyway, right? You're yeah. still getting it yeah. into you at some point. Yeah. Um, well, doctor, this has been a, this has been a great conversation. I'm so glad you came oh, in to do was, this. Yeah, and, uh, you know, like I said, we'll have you back and we'll go deep into some of these things if oh, you want I, to. I would love to. <laughs> you I know, can tell. I would, I would actually <laughs> love to dig into some of these more because there's so there's it's a multifaceted yeah. problem. It goes just beyond just eat right and exercise. Right. It is, you know, you know the body's very complex. But uh, but yeah, I, I would love to. I would awesome. love to at some point. That'd be great. Uh, Dr. Stephen Wasmiller, uh, non-invasive cardiologist at Monument Health's Heart and Vascular Institute. Thank you for coming in, Doctor. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Doc Talk with Monument Health is recorded live at Homeslice Studios, hosted by Mark Houston, edited by Russ Hatton, engineered by Chris Jaquis, and produced by Kelsey Kinney and Rob Henry.